Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, hello, Jonathan. How's it going? It, it's been a rough week, honestly. Yeah, so. yeah. Sometimes you just have to call it what it is, and I would echo that. It yep. has been a rough week. But you, you had a little bit worse week than I have because uh, you unfortunately had to put down a, a loved pet this week, uh, your, your dog Lottie. Yes, Lottie Moon. Um, she was with us almost 15 years in uh, four states, five houses, just really, really beloved family dog. And uh, we got her in uh, just south of Louisville, Kentucky, back when we lived uh, there and were at Southern Seminary. So kids were, were really sad. It's just been kind of a hard, a hard day, uh, one that a lot of people understand, I know. Um, but it sometimes you just have to say you got to have these weeks. Yep. I know a lot of people that uh, maybe follow us on iTunes, and if, if you haven't, go ahead and do that. Subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes and uh, give us a rating review over there as well. But I know a lot of our followers and friends were up at T4G this past week in Louisville, Kentucky, so that big conference went on. A lot of Southern Baptist involvement in that as well. So uh, we'll jump into the news here real quick. Uh, and big news coming out of Kansas City Midwestern Seminary hit a record enrollment uh, this week. They reported at their trustee meeting their unduplicated headcount rose this year to 2,193, the highest ever for the seminary based in Kansas City and presided over by Dr. Jason Allen. That's incredible. I know they're very excited uh, to, to break that 2,000 mark. And uh, again, this is just, it's really great news uh, for us to see something like this happening. For Southern Baptists to see growth uh, in another one of their seminaries, and and really just to see how we are are training pastors uh, for the next generation. So this is really exciting. We're rejoicing with them. Yes, and they also announced a a new five hundred thousand dollar gift toward their institution's student center. Uh, that's an anonymous donation. Was not me, Amy. Well, I'll just go ahead but, and you know let people know that was not me. But you could be just saying that because oh, it be. says that the person wants to not be known, so how do we know that it's not you? Well, <laughs> I can tell you, Hans. I know it's not <laughs> me. <laughs> but anyway, so congratulations to uh, to Dr. Allen on that. I mean, they are just really doing some great things up there in Kansas City at Midwestern. So had a, had one of the highlights of, uh, speaking of Together for the Gospel, had highlight, one of the highlights of the giveaways there uh, were their 50 states shirts and, and D.C. after they got uh, kind of Mark Dever took a little umbrage to that. Uh, I know that was DC, pretty funny. So that was pretty neat. But, uh, they that made it, they funny. fixed it, they rectified it. So those are really cool. And they're also going to do the same thing at SBC. So that'll be kind of neat to see at yeah. uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. So these are some neat t-shirts. Yeah. Hats off to them. That, that was a really neat idea um, and a way to connect because this, uh, this thing that they're doing, this initiative for the church. Uh, you know, we have churches everywhere, and there are people in every every state, and and it's just a way for them to connect with those folks. I got uh, I got tickled at uh, one tweet I saw. Somebody maybe from uh, is it Wyoming? One of the states that you know, there's several <laughs> of those states that are all just kind of the square. same shape. Yeah, yeah, and it was saying something about you know. Uh, the sadness of not being very distinctive or whatever, which every state I've ever lived in, you you kind of know it when you see it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think about that, but I thought, oh, some of those little states or some of the ones that are just just kind of a box. Yeah, they don't. Well, get Colorado the fun. and Wyoming, 
those yes look yeah almost identical. i think it was a wyoming yeah i think yeah. it was a wyoming person and, and then you get uh-huh. you get new hampshire and vermont and they're like mirror images of each other flipped upside down and i if right. you, if they're not together i can't tell which one is which i you can't remember know. which yeah. one's which you don't know which one is which um so it, anyway i but I think that's such a such a neat idea and hits on a, a trend that's really fun where people enjoy. I mean, I have a, a shirt that has Tennessee on it that says uh, just says home and, and things. People like wearing state shirts. So it kind of hit on something like that. So yeah. very, very cool. Fun very to watch clever from idea. afar. Very clever idea. I got a Louisiana one on my way on the way to me. So I'm excited about that. I've been one of those for a while. So being a a good Louisiana boy like I am. Another report from a trustee meeting this week, Southwestern's trustees approved a, uh, a new text-driven MDiv uh, that actually increased the hours. We've been seeing the trend go the other way. Southeastern increased the hours from 91 to 92 and possibly 98 if you count the six required hours of Greek that they require for the text-driven MDiv. Uh, so that is going to 92 or 98 hours depending on uh, if you have Greek or not, I guess. And then also uh, they've made a change at the College of Southwestern. They approved the Bachelors of Arts in Humanities and Biblical Studies. Basically, that combined the Bachelors of Arts and Humanities and the Bachelor of Science and Biblical Studies. So now it's just one degree instead of two separate degrees. And uh, a new dean. Well, this is all big news, but uh, the big, big, big news, I guess you could say, is the new dean of the School of Theology. We've talked about David Allen moving over to the School of Preaching in a past episode, and now Jeffrey Bingham will be serving as the new dean of the School of Theology. He's coming to the seminary from Wheaton College up in the Chicagoland area. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I was really surprised hearing that. Didn't uh, didn't expect that at all, and actually didn't know a lot about him. So it was kind of interesting and fun to to know more uh, to know more about Dr. Bingham. So uh, there were a few other things, some faculty promotions. One that we saw a lot about was uh, Malcolm Yarnell, uh, who's widely known. He was uh, promoted to research professor of systematic theology. So that's a big honor uh, for him. So it and and a few others. So it's a big big week for them. I know a lot of excitement. We're seeing this uh, curriculum revision happen uh, in a lot of places. This is a pretty a pretty normal thing that happens in the life of a school uh, over time. That the faculty has to just sit down and say, is is our degree doing what it's what it's supposed to be doing in this day at this time for these students. So it's a regular thing that faculty go through, and we've seen it happen at Southeastern here. Uh, it took a, a year to go through it. Southwestern's just done it. Midwestern did it uh, a, a while back. And it's a great thing to see our seminaries working together uh, to this kind of shared vision to the churches, to serve the churches in this way. And I think just going through this process um, and putting out these visions uh, for the Master of Divinity degree, we just strengthen each other as we do that. Yeah, and circling back to uh, Dr. Yarnell, uh, he's got a new book out from B&H, by the way, on the Trinity. So yes! Just, just throwing that out there, you know, corporate Very plugs. excited. Ve- may, very you may excited. be seeing that in a, uh, a resource of the week. Uh, yes, and, week. and I heard him speak on the Trinity in a, a panel at ETS uh, that, uh, he was on with uh, Dr. Bruce Ware from Southern, uh, Dr. Steve McKinnon from Southeastern, and was moderated by my favorite theology professor in the SBC, uh, Dr. Keith Whitfield. Um, and they they were discussing the Trinity, and I really, really enjoyed uh, hearing Dr. Yarnell. Uh, I, I just his perspective was really great. He said a handful of things that uh, I can still remember and probably won't forget. Also, Dr. Frank Page of the Executive Committee has appointed an advisory council 
uh, to study women's roles in the Southern Baptist Convention. Heading the committee will be Dr. Rhonda Kelly, the wife of Chuck Kelly, the president down at New Orleans Theological Seminary, and Chris Adams, the senior lead women's ministry specialist here at Lifeway Christian Resources. She's going to be the co-chair. And uh, a lot of familiar names on this list, Amy. I see a couple of seminary wives, a couple of uh, just regular names that we know, and, and a few friends as well. Yeah, yeah. Trillian Newbell uh, from the ERLC is on there. Uh, Mrs. Moeller from Southern Seminary. Uh, Elizabeth Luter um, from uh, Franklin Avenue in New Orleans. Candy Finch from Southwestern. And uh, someone that is from my area, uh, Ashley Unziker from the Summit Church. Who has quite possibly the best bio on this list. Yes, yes. You see a lot of uh, maybe women's ministry or uh, pastor's wife, a lot, a lot of just wonderful things that people are doing. Uh, but you get to Ashley and it says church history, songwriter and rapper. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Start. Yes. Very, very fantastic. So um, she's she's a lot of fun, a real delight. So it's it's great to see her uh, representing on this committee as well. So I, I heard a passing mention of this committee, I believe, in the executive committee report last year, and yes. I, I wasn't the only one that heard that. We several of us caught it. And yeah, I think said, you and hey, I discussed that. Uh, you know, kind yeah. of offline. Yeah. What? What? What is that? And we didn't really have any details, so it was it was exciting. First of all, to see a survey that was floating around, and um, I participated in that. A lot of other people I know participated in in sort of answering that that survey uh, about our just our thoughts about uh, women's participation in the Southern Baptist Convention, and then to see uh, the the advisory council itself. Very exciting. Yes, uh, rounding out the committee, Jackie Anderson from Randallstown, Maryland, Tabitha Barnett from Decatur, Georgia, Brandy Bisadecki uh, from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, Linda Cooper, Women's Missionary Union President uh, from up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, Lourdes Fernandez uh, from Miami, you mentioned Candy Finch, and Orge, uh, the wife of President Jeff Orge out there at... Uh, Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, hopefully soon to be Gateway Baptist yes. Theological Seminary. Uh, you mentioned Elizabeth Luter, Davey Lai uh, from Morgantown, North Carolina, Anna Melendez from Boiling Brook, Illinois. You mentioned Mary Moeller and Trillia Newbell uh, already, and Rhonda Ray, somebody I know from uh, my time whenever I was at uh, New Hope Publishers at WMU. Uh, she is from Troy, Missouri. Myra Sermon from Woodbridge, Virginia. We mentioned Ashley Unziker, and then rounding it out is Angela Um from Cambridge, Massachusetts. So uh, you mentioned the the survey. That link is in the article at Baptist Press. It's surveymonkey.com slash r slash Southern Baptist Women. Uh, and you can also email additional comments to sbwomen at sbc.net. So yes. uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by this advisory committee. I can't wait to see what they bring us later on this year. Following up on a previous note, uh, Burl Kane, the former Angola Warden was exonerated on uh, ethics charges in Louisiana this week. Yeah, very, very good news. It uh, looks like um, he's been cleared in in everything. Uh, investigations did not find any evidence to support the claims uh, that had been put had been put out there. So he went ahead and he had taken retirement, uh, um, and it says amid a number of circumstances. Uh, but I'm sure this was, you know, kind of, kind of part of it. I know it took a toll on him. So we are grateful for that uh, news becoming very public. Yes, and uh, speaking of Louisiana, we have a couple of departures this week. We'd mentioned it on a previous podcast, but it became official. Uh, Louisiana College and former President Joe Aguillard have parted ways this way. 
And also Darren Patrick has been removed as pastor of the Journey Church up in St. Louis. So a couple of departures in the SBC. We have links to those on the show notes for today's episode. And that's going to bring us to the final piece of news here. Uh, kind of a, an ERLC story and Lifeway research about payday loans, Amy. Yes, this is something that the the ERLC has actually talked about before. Uh, Dr. Moore has been part of groups that have spoken against this. Um, But this new survey by Lifeway Research has just really bolstered, um, has really bolstered some of the the work in that. And uh, essentially in this research, uh, it was a survey of 1,000 self-identified Christians in 30 states, all of which have little or no regulation of payday loans. And they asked the question, um, do you agree uh, or disagree that it is a sin to loan someone money when the lender gains by harming the borrower financially? And 77% agree that it is a sin. Uh, 23% disagree. Um, but, but that's a very high number to agree, uh, to agree in that. And uh, it, Scott McConnell said, you know, if, if you ask people uh, that if charging high interest is wrong, uh, they'll say yes. Uh, so uh, a a lot of a lot of people find them morally questionable. Not everyone understands that the Bible actually does address uh, address it. So as he said, they'll you they'll say yes, it's wrong, but they don't realize that the Bible actually condemns it as sinful. Um, so, but the, these things are are very interesting. Uh, we we saw it in in ministry uh, families that were really uh, struggling have been taken advantage of for a, a long time from these practices. And when you see it on the ground happening and how it harms the community, uh, it, it's it's a pretty incredible thing. All right, what's interesting was the, the numbers on who actually uses the payday loans. Just going to run through these percentages real quick. Uh, about one in six Christians have taken out payday loans, 20% of Protestants, 12% of Catholics, half of African-American Christians, and a quarter of Hispanic Christians say they have taken them out. So uh, this is something that uh, people in the church are having to deal with, not only uh, with those in their community, but some of them in their personal lives having to deal with these. So uh, payday lending reform is quite needed, I believe. I think we can all agree on that. And uh, and it's something that the ERLC is pushing for. And this this research backs up that um, that cause. Yeah, I think uh, I think what people are seeing is that uh, a kind of a mix of pastoral care in individual situations and and helping with financial counseling and um, and and uh, coming alongside families that are struggling, but also the need for greater reform in these practices because they're just wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, this week's podcast has been sponsored by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's new 81-hour MDiv. It prepares students to take the gospel to their neighbors and the nations. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there. For more information, visit sebts.edu slash mdiv. Well, Amy, last week we had our first presidential candidate interview. Uh, J.D. Greer joined us last week to talk about his vision for the SBC and uh, answered some questions for us. And this week, we have Steve Gaines, the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, joining us. Uh, reminder, next week we'll have David Crosby, the third uh, nominee for president. So here's our interview with Dr. Steve Gaines. Joining us today on SBC This Week is Steve Gaines. Steve is the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Cordova, Tennessee. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. All right. Well, you have been uh, announced as a nominee for the SBC presidency. We've uh, talked about it on the podcast. And so what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the SBC at this time? Well, first of all, I want to say that I love the Southern Baptist Convention. I've been on staff 
at Southern Baptist churches for about 37 years. And for the last 33 years, I have been a senior pastor in a Southern Baptist church. And so I, I've been asked to serve on a lot of different uh, positions, and it enables me to have, I think, a pretty good idea about where we are as Southern Baptists. I have uh, served on the SBC nominated committee twice. My wife is on that this year. I was on the Baptist Faith and Message Committee that was chaired by Dr. Adrian Rogers, my predecessor at Bellevue in uh, 1999 and 2000, so I understand this theologically. Uh, as I said to you earlier, uh, before this interview, just as we were talking, I was a trustee at Lifeway. And then also, I have uh, was asked to uh, preach the convention sermon in 2004 in Indianapolis, and then I was also the president of the Southern Baptist Pastors Conference in 2005. So, I've served, like I said, for 33 years as a senior pastor of Baptist Southern Baptist churches, and I've served in, in every size church there is. My first church ran about, averaged about 200. The next church averaged a little over 500. The third church in Alabama at Garden Mail averaged 1,500 when I went there. It was over 3,000 when I left in, uh, in, uh, in worship, and now I'm at Bellevue. So I, I think I understand what uh, various churches go through, because the, the average Southern Baptist church is uh, a church that's averaging 200 or below. And I understand what uh, those people need. I also understand what churches that run 500, 1,500, 3,000 or more, like we have at Bellevue. So I, I think I, I kind of get it when it comes to all that. And I see the need for unity. I, I, I see the need for trust. I see the need for working together. The Bible says, Behold how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And that's Psalm 133, verse 1. I believe that we need to have unity. Uh, some some people only participate at the local association level. Some people participate primarily at the state convention level. And then some Southern Baptists participate primarily at the national level. I think we need to participate in all levels at, in some way. Because I think that there are some Southern Baptists, like I said earlier, that are in the, the churches averaging 200 or less. They need the local associations in a, in a very deep way. They need the uh, state conventions in a very deep way. And I think that we need to respect that. And I think that we also need to understand that we also need our national convention, the Southern Baptist Convention. We need to send missionaries. So. Uh, I, I believe that we need to serve together, and I believe that we can do that in a lot of different ways. Um, but th that's one of the things. I, I think if we do need to make changes, that they need to be made slowly. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention is not a, a ski boat. It's not a little boat that you can turn 45 degrees without throwing a lot of people overboard. I think if you make changes abruptly, that usually is not very good. And I think that we're more like a, an aircraft carrier, and we're going to have to turn slowly and make our changes slowly. If we need to give more money uh, to the national entities or whatever, we can do that. But we need to do it together and not try to be divisive in that. I'm very concerned about our downward trajectory in our baptisms for the last 15 years. Uh, I just saw a presentation by the president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Chuck Kelly, 
And Dr. Kelly showed us that for the last 15 years, we are going down in baptisms. We are baptizing 100,000 people less now than we were 15 years ago. We're planting more churches, and we have more churches than we've ever had. That's all going up. But while that's going up, strangely, baptisms are going down. And we need to have not only a great commission resurgence, we need to have an ev- a great evangelism resurgence. We need to train our churches to be evangelistic. And I'll own part of that. I, I want to be a better soul winner myself. And I'm also very concerned that we've had to ask a thousand of our foreign missionaries, Southern Baptist foreign missionaries from the IMB to come back home. We've got, and I've got to own part of that too. We, we've got to give more money. We've got to pray, give, and go. And we've got to give. I think we have a soul winning problem and we have a stewardship problem. And I believe that more and more people, like we've done at Bellevue for the last six years, we've gone from giving six years ago $250,000 to cooperate program. And this year, this last year, our, our budget year ends this month in March, and we will have given $850,000 to cooperate program. And this next year, starting April the 1st, we'll be given over $2,700 a day. We're going to give a million dollars to the cooperate program. And we're going to lead the state because I don't want to just talk about it. I want to put my money where my convictions are. And we need to, if we have a stewardship problem and a soul winning problem in the Southern Baptist Convention. I think we need to pray. We need to give. We need to go. And we need to share Jesus with lost people. And you mentioned the missionary force reduction in that answer. And the, the past six months have been a time of great concern for many Southern Baptists because of this. How can pastors lead their churches well in light of the missionary force reduction? But I think, again, I think it's stewardship. I think we have to teach biblical principles regarding stewardship, not just in finances, but we do have to teach about finances. We don't need to be backing up. We need to be making progress. We need to tell our people what the Bible says about all kinds of stewardship, whether it's time, talents, or treasures. And I believe with all of my heart we need to, to – I'm a big uh, fan of paying off debt, getting out of debt personally, getting out of debt for the church. Bellevue does not owe a dime to anybody, and we're able to do more that way. And my wife and I, uh, we're in the process of getting out of debt, say, about, Lord willing, trying to pay our house off so that we can give more money. We are not to be people that hold, we're not to be reservoirs, we're to be dispensers of the, the funds that God gives us. And I think that we as pastors, it starts with the pastor. The pastors have to train their churches to be givers. And if the pastor is not generous, if the pastor is not a good steward, then the church is not going to be. The local church is the Southern Baptist Convention. And we've got to, we've, we've got to do it at a grassroots level. And so personally, I'm giving more than I've ever given. And in our church, Bellevue is giving more than we've ever given to Southern Baptist missions. And we've got to do that. I want to see uh, David Platt and those folks be able to, I love David, I want to see us be able to give him enough money that we can send more missionaries than we've ever even dreamed about. But it is a stewardship problem, and we've got to lovingly address it from the Scriptures in our local churches. And I think we've seen you know, the response, uh, like you said, we've seen churches give more. Uh, we're expecting a, an all-time record Lottie Moon Christmas offering once the numbers are finally in. But it, it's kind of only part of the issue. There seems to also be a lack of engagement. Uh, the giving seems to, to be coming around but there seems to be a lack of engagement from churches on a national level. So how can we raise church engagement on a national level? Well, 
and I, I don't, uh, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I do think when David said to all of us that we were $20 million short for the last five or six years, $20 million averaging short every year, and that we were spending $20 more million more dollars than we had coming in, I don't know that the money is coming in. So I do think we've got to address the stewardship part of it. And then at Bellevue, uh, I can tell you, we have mission teams going all the time. There is never hardly a week that we don't have mission teams going out. I think the way to get involved in missions is pray, give, and go. When you start praying, God puts your heart in it. And then when you start giving, what you give to is where your heart goes. Jesus did not say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And so when you start giving financially, your heart's going to go there, and you're going to want to go. You're going to want to go overseas on a short-term mission trip, and that's how we do it at Bellevue. We encourage people to pray, give, and then to go. And that's what we, we believe can happen throughout the Southern Baptist Convention. All right. One of the biggest assignments of the president is uh, committee appointments. And what would be your strategy for those committee appointments uh, if you were to be elected? Well, the same thing that I do, I've do i done in my local church for 33 years as a senior pastor. I would pray and seek the best people available and uh, let the Lord lead in that. I would The way I would do it, I would pray personally. I would also gather together people that I dearly love and trust in their judgment and talk with them because in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. And so that's how I would do it. I would I would do a, a thorough search and do due diligence and try to find the best people there were, people that love Jesus Christ, love the gospel, love Southern Baptists, and have a proven track record in giving also, not just people that uh, have good convictions, but they actually are in a church that has supported the Southern Baptist Convention faithfully in their finances. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's that's... That would be my litmus test, is to find somebody that has been engaged, not somebody that promises to get engaged, or somebody that's just gotten engaged in the last year or so, but rather somebody that's been doing it for several years, and they have a vested interest in what they're doing. Now, that's a good uh, point that you bring up about the, the vested interest engaged on the, the giving side. Is there a like a magic percent? or I mean, it obviously, it probably depends on no, case no, to case. I, or... I, I, I don't go there. You know, we do not give 10%. But we are increasing our percent every year. That's what I'm trying to say. All of this takes time. You know, if you're going to change a state convention budget or a church or a church budget or your own personal budget, I mean, think about it yourself. When you change, you you have to you have to go slowly. And so, but as long as we're making progress, that's what that's what I'm looking for. Are people making progress? If they're digressing, you know, then I don't know that they would they would qualify. I mean, if they're you know, constantly giving less and going less and praying less, then I think we'd look for somebody else. <laughs> but if there are people that are really engaged, and you know as well as I do, if you've been a pastor of a church, I mean, you know, we, we when we look for people on our committees at Bellevue, we look for people that have skin in the game. We look for people who are really involved financially. They come to church. They're, they're positive about what's going on. They're, they're sharing the gospel. They love Jesus. They've got a godly life. They've got godly marriages and families. That's the kind of people we need serving Southern Baptists on our committees. Dr. Floyd has remade the Southern Baptist Annual Meeting a little bit over the past couple of years. We've seen a different type of meeting than we have in the past. 
Is that something that uh, maybe you might look forward to carrying on? Is you know, wh- what does that annual meeting look like under a Steve Gaines presidency? Absolutely. You know, Ronnie and I have been good friends for a long time. We did not attend Southwestern. We didn't know each other if we did. We went, both went to Southwestern Seminary. We both uh, studied under Dr. Roy Fish. I was Roy Fish's grader for seven years, and Dr. Fish uh, taught a class on spiritual awakening, and I took that class, and I literally became convinced that we desperately need a spiritual awakening in America, a revival uh, of epic proportions. And so that's kind of where I got that. I believe that's where Ronnie got it. And I was with Ronnie when we were praying about this three or four years ago, saying, man, we really made an emphasis in the Southern Baptist Convention. There were five of us that were together just meeting one day, and actually we were meeting at a Five Guys uh, hamburger place out in Asheville, North Carolina. We just were together, and we were fellowship, and we just started talking. It was not a planned thing. We just we just started talking. We said, you know, we need an awakening in America. And Ronnie has been longing for spiritual awakening for years. I remember back in 1995, he went on a 40-day fast praying for revival. And uh, that prompted a lot of other people to do the same thing. And so this is not a, a, a you know, Johnny-come-lately thing with him. He's been praying for this for a long time. And I would definitely build on his shoulders and build on the platform that he's already given us for spiritual awakening and revival. That is my heart. Uh, at Bellevue, We, our goal is to be a catalyst for spiritual awakening in Memphis and beyond. That's who we are. That's what we do, and that's uh, who we are. So absolutely, that, I would continue to build on that. And I have a very big commitment in my own life. I'm not trying to sound you know, pious or anything, but I am saying prayer is huge to me. I wrote a book called Pray Like It Matters, and I want the Southern Baptist Convention to be the greatest army of prayer warriors in all of the nation and in all of the world. I want to call this Southern Baptist Convention to really cry out to God. We're looking, a lot of times people nowadays are looking around for help. We need to look up for help. We need to call on God. And I believe that there are some things God will only do if we pray. So I want us to really pray the price. I want us to spend time really calling out to God, praying for our nation, praying for our convention, praying that our churches will be soul-winning, baptizing, discipling, uh, gospel-preaching churches where Jesus Christ is lifted high. And I, I believe that's, that's crucial. Now, we've, we've talked about a couple of the main duties of the president of the SPC, mainly the committee appointments, running the annual meeting, those kind of things. What else do you see as the role of the convention president being? Well, I think he needs to be a leader. I think he needs to be a proven leader. I think he needs to be somebody that has been around long enough to understand that we don't have time for petty quarrels with ourselves, with one another, or even with other gospel-preaching churches and denominations. Uh, Some people don't like to call the Southern Baptist Convention a denomination, whatever you want to call it. I think we need to lead by example. I think that there are a lot of other denominations that are gospel-centered, gospel-focused. They don't uh, they're not Southern Baptist, but you know what? God's not Southern Baptist either, and that's okay. Uh, you know, but we need we need to lead. There, a lot of those denominations are looking to us. And my predecessor at Bellevue, Doctor Adrian Rogers, used to say, "As the Southern Baptist Convention goes, so go the gospel preaching churches in America." And I believe that's right. And I believe that if we will provide leadership, I believe that if we will start winning more people than we've ever won to Christ. If we will start baptizing people again 
and put that on the front burner. Let evangelism be on the front burner of what we're doing in our churches. And then discipling, baptizing those people and discipling those people. If we'll start doing that, and if we'll call out to God at our annual meetings, but also in our churches, start having, uh, if Southern Baptist churches would be agents of revival and spiritual awakening in their own communities. And if pastors, if, if the key to me is the pastor getting on fire for God, getting his godly lay leaders in there, and them being a catalyst for spiritual awakening in their cities and beyond. God doesn't just call a pastor to a church. God calls a pastor to a community and a city, and he needs to love that city, pray for that city, serve that city, share Jesus with that city, and join hands with other pastors, even in other denominations that believe the gospel, and pray with them for their city, and and seek to serve together. I, I believe that that's the key. I believe that we'll do that. It's not just the pastor, but it's all the Southern. I also believe we need to have a great awakening, a resurgence, if you will, of, of uh, social ministry that is geared toward evangelism, where you're literally finding in your community a need to meet it and, and finding a hurt to heal it and getting your lay people involved. We do that. We've done it now at Bellevue uh, with Bellevue Loves Memphis for about eight years. We've had 33 different projects. We do one every quarter service projects. We have over 100,000 man hours that we put in that, and we have used that. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people get saved because it, those service platforms, you know, liberals do social ministry just for social ministry. But if we will do social ministry in our communities, any church can do that. You don't have to have a lot of money to do this. Just go out and love on your, on your neighborhood, your neighborhood your, and your community. And if you'll do that and use it as a platform then to share Jesus with lost people, a lot of people will listen to the gospel. They'll get saved, but otherwise they wouldn't. So I believe with all my heart that's something that uh, we want to help lead out in. And then another thing I'd like to lead out in is Jesus-focused racial reconciliation. We, every, you know, Memphis, where we are, is a very racially diverse city. And every Sunday, every Sunday, we see People of various ethnic backgrounds get saved, get baptized, and join our church. Every Sunday, Bellevue Baptist Church looks more and more, not only like Memphis, but like heaven. And we are finding that the best way to have racial reconciliation is to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. And when you're reconciled to Jesus, all the other reconciliation takes care of itself. You just start loving people, and you realize there's no separate race. There's only one race, the human race. And at Bellevue, we believe God created everybody in his image and that God loves everybody the same and that Jesus died for everybody the same and that anybody can be saved and everybody is welcome at our church. And we don't just talk about it. We experience it by the grace of the living God through Jesus Christ. And one of the big things that you mentioned just now is diversity, and that's that's been something that's been oft-talked about in the convention. Uh, we saw a big presentation last year on race and the Southern Baptist Convention that came from the SBC Executive Committee. How do we further encourage diversity, not only in the local churches, but in a denomination uh, that, that is significantly Anglo? Uh, how do we encourage diversity and, and opportunities for more diverse leadership throughout the denomination? Well, I think that every pastor, every church can, has to follow the Lord's leadership in that. But I'll tell you how we're trying to do it at Bellevue. Uh, I constantly am proactive about reaching out to other pastors of churches that are of different 
ethnic backgrounds. And I have lunches with them. I have a group that I meet with once a month, and we are racially diverse in that, even though I still believe there's only one race, the human race. But we have African Americans, and uh, I, I am good friends with Latinos. Uh, I am good friends with uh, other pastors uh, of various ethnic groups across Memphis. And the more bridges that we build, and, and the more also that we can reach across in denominational areas, uh, different denominations of people that still share the gospel, love the gospel like we do. I believe that every every time we reach out to another pastor, another church, that is so helpful. One of the things we do also is every, about once a quarter, we have a, a, a little thing where we're emphasizing, we're reaching out, and we're having uh, services where we are trying to have an awakening service where we invite churches to come. The pastor comes, he preaches for me on Sunday night. We still do Sunday night services. Their choir comes, they sing with our choir, their praise band, whatever. And then he he gets up there and preaches, does the whole thing. At the end, we come down, we lay hands on him and his staff, and we pray for them to let everybody know that we don't think that Bellevue is the only church in town that God is blessing. We want God to bless all the gospel-preaching churches. And I believe that when, when we are proactive and when we get out there and we're intentional and we're literally trying to go and be a catalyst for spiritual awakening in our communities and in our nation and to our nations, I believe that when we do that, we need to, uh, we need to uh, see that God can use us greatly like that. And I, I just think we need to be the ones that are, are taking the ball down the field. We need to be the ones that are, are involved in that as in leading in that. But how do we do that on a denominational scale with leadership in the denomination? Well, I think what we do then is, what, like what we've done in, in serving our communities, we've had more and more African-American pastors come in and say, tell us about the Southern Baptist Convention. How do you get involved? And a lot of times they'll join our local association, our Mid-South Baptist Association first. And then they'll join the Tennessee Baptist Convention, or they may just jump out and join the Southern Baptist Convention. But I think the pastors, any of our leaders, can, can lovingly and, 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 and just proactively encourage them, why don't you come and be part of our convention? Why don't you come to a Southern Baptist Convention, visit with me, and let me go talk to you. Let me, let me share with you what we're doing. Let me talk with you about how we're sending missionaries all over the world. And when we share the Southern Baptist story, it's a good story to share. And a lot of these people are not, they're not independent out here because they don't want to be connected. It's just that they've never been asked. They've never been encouraged to join. So if you, we, I can think of one African-American pastor here in, in uh, Memphis that we went down and did service projects all in his neighborhood, and here's what he said. He said, you know what? If you guys can do that in my neighborhood, I can be part of what you're doing. He joined our association, then he joined the Southern Baptist Convention. That's how I think it takes place. One church at a time, one pastor at a time. That's one way to do it. And then I think also visibility. I think that when you have your conventions, you need to have more and more diversity on the platform. So those are some things that I would do. All right, and final question here, and this has to do with kind of what unites us as the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, the Baptist Faith and Message. We're a big tent, got a lot of different viewpoints within the convention. Uh, is the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 uh, enough for the broad tent that is the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I happen to be one of the people that put it together, you know, the last time it was put together. I think it's a great statement. And I think that uh, as long as we, you know, I think that it needs to be broad enough to let people who have secondary issues on uh, certain things, whether it's soteriology, you know, secondary issues on that or anything like that, I, I believe that's fine. 
I don't believe that it ever needs to be something that we hold over somebody to try to persuade them in secondary issues that, uh, to me, don't need to be emphasized. The primary issues are this. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the only Savior. The Bible is the inerrant Word of God. The Gospel is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone, and churches need to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I love the Baptist faith and message. Obviously, I put my name on it, and if I didn't uh, love it, I wouldn't put my name on it. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it, and we uh, look forward to seeing you in St. Louis. Thank you so much. You have a blessed day. All right. Thank you for that, Jonathan. I appreciate your diligence in scheduling these interviews, uh, having the conversation with these candidates. I think it's a real uh, service to our listeners. Yes, uh, it's really good to hear from them about these specific issues. And I'm also going to try to get a hold of a few others. Uh, We're still waiting on some nominees for the first and second vice president. And I thought about trying to get some interviews as well with those who may be uh, bringing forth resolutions or motions. Uh, beforehand uh, if we can identify them so uh, that's possible in a couple of resolutions i believe so we'll see what we can get out of those uh, in the future but that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in sbc history amy blow our minds okay this one was kind of a fun one this was actually an announcement um, of an upcoming meeting you know we have a lot of these sort of auxiliary meetings that hit around uh the southern baptist convention you have you know, DOMs that meet, uh, WMU meets, lots of groups. Um, So in 1994, um, this was actually just an announcement, an announcement of of an annual meeting that would happen uh, in Orlando, Florida, building up to the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, I don't believe this is a group that meets anymore. Uh, If they did, I don't know if you'd be able to find a room big enough. Um, (laughs) It was the meeting... I'm wondering what this meeting is now. You're you're building this up so well. Yes. It was the meeting of the Southern Baptist Computer Users Association. So all Southern Baptists who use computers were having an There was an an association for that? Yes, there was. Um, They had a theme. It was pioneering ways to communicate in the Southern Baptist Convention. The topics that would be addressed included electronic mail, otherwise known as email, email yeah. information highways of the home mission board. So that'd be like the, the website of NAM, like NAM.net? Yes. yes. Client server environments and church profile information systems. Wow. So that'd be like church, uh, church management software. I think so. Yeah. It was an organization of Southern Baptist employees who meet to discuss common computer-related issue, issues. So any employee of a Southern Baptist Church Association, anyone who worked on computers um, could be a part of this. Yeah, we now call that the annual meeting. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so here was what really got me is to let this sink in and uh, then to realize that this was in 1994. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, was, I was getting ready to graduate high school. I don't feel like I'm that old. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Um, but there, there we were. So in 1994, uh, the, the meeting was being planned to discuss and sort of educate and best practices for email. Um, so I don't, I don't guess. And we're still writing email in all caps these days. Yes, we are. 
So I don't know if it was the beginning of the conversation, but it was certainly uh, the beginning days. It was it was planning to come together and think about how we use computers uh, in the SBC and look at where we are now. Uh, in some ways, it all started or it was beginning around this week in SBC history. Yeah, 22 years later, we can talk about it on a podcast and record that podcast from two different states, hundreds and hundreds of miles apart from one another. And email each other about uh, things that we need to discuss. Exactly. So, Just, yeah. it's amazing. It's kind of, kind of amazing yes. if you think about it. Yes. So, all right, well, that's very cool, Amy. All right. That'll bring us to the resources of the week. My resource of the week is the recalibrate conference, breaking the power of secrecy. It's a one day conference for healing from pornography on April the 28th. That's in a couple of weeks hosted down at new Orleans. Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, just a neat little conference these guys are putting on down there. It's a free conference, I believe, down at New Orleans for their students and anyone in the area on uh, breaking the power of secrecy about pornography. So uh, it's something that uh, New Orleans has dealt with this past year. Uh, we mentioned that earlier on the podcast uh, and the death of John Gibson, the professor down there. So uh, putting on a conference, uh, trying to, to educate and, and maybe to help fellow students and uh, faculty that may be struggling with that. Yeah, great, great service, and it's really good to see them doing this uh, yep. for their students. Uh, mine is a, a, another podcast. Um, it's a podcast well, that you're, you're I have promoting the competition, Amy. I not, I think it's totally different, different, okay. uh, d different market, but uh, one that I really enjoy. Uh, Bloomberg News has uh, launched about it's about six weeks ago a podcast called Masters in Politics. Um, it is hosted by Tammy Haddad and Betsy Fisher Martin. Um, Betsy Fisher Martin is uh, one of my favorites for a long time. She, for years, was the senior executive producer of Meet the Press, uh, working alongside Tim Russert, and uh, just a, a really seasoned, um, just a seasoned uh, producer, and knows a lot about these issues. And basically, what they do is kind of a similar format. Uh, to to what we like to do here, um, every week they interview usually two people um, on either side uh, of the presidential election in most cases. And so they'll talk to candidates, political strategists, other journalists, and they'll just kind of analyze uh, what's what's going on. But they get some really great guests from uh, pretty high levels in, in terms of strategists and people uh, who who know what's happening. And you learn a lot. So it's not necessarily like the the breakdown of the latest gossip in a campaign. Like they're they're talking processes and, and you kinda get, get your head around it and I just love it. Well very so. cool. So well, you know what, and speaking of new podcast and, and political podcast, I, I don't know if you've seen me tweeting about this. I am like really, really enjoying a new podcast on the West Wing. Not, oh, not the yeah. actual West Wing, but the, the TV show, The West Wing. Right. There's, a, there's a new right. podcast, The West Wing Weekly, hosted by Josh Molina, who plays Will Bailey yes. in, in the show. And uh, I am really digging that. So this little bonus resource of the week, uh, kind of playing off of yours. It's a fantastic podcast. Raising up a whole new constituency of people to learn about the greatest show that ever was. Yes. And uh, and it, what's fun is like, you know going week by week. So I'm going back and watching it again for the who knows how many th time. Yeah, uh, and, and then you just, hear the breakdown. And it's just such a good show. Even It holds up even 20 years later, so pretty amazing. Yep, it's incredible. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week on SBC This Week. Remember, we had last week, we had J.D. Greer's interview. This week, we have Steve Gaines. Next week, David Crosby. Make sure you hit all three of those and uh, hear from the candidates themselves. 
before you go to St. Louis. And uh, we're working on more interviews to come. And we will see you next week. See you next week.